Hello everyone, this is the Theatrical Mustang Podcast, and I'm your host, Woodzik. We haven't posted for a while, but this episode was well worth the wait. This is episode 138 with the incredible Emma Messenger. We chat about acting and all those good theatrical things. I highly encourage you to check out the quilting work that she's doing online. She's an incredible artist as a quilter as well as an actress. I hope y'all are staying safe and healthy, sending lots of love out there into the world. Please enjoy episode 138 with Emma Messenger. So friends, we're here with the brilliantly talented. Oh, how many so how many Henry Awards do you have, Emma? Um oh just three. <laughs> Good. Own it. Own it. We're here with the delightful Emma Messenger. Um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I realized I didn't finish telling you my, my dog story. So Gadsby was the little miniature pincher I was talking mm-hmm. about. My roommate Ashley Rice um, is his, lived with him for two years. He has since passed on. But he would do this thing, like even before I knew I was autistic, where like if I was really upset, I would come home and he would have put one of his stuffed animals in front of my door. Oh, they're so I've never seen a dog do that before. Oh, I yeah. think they are angels. They're truly yes. angels on earth. Dogs and stage managers right. are <laughs> angels on earth. Um, <laughs> that's the pull quote for the episode. Um, so I am so excited to sort of like get under the hood of your acting process a little bit because okay. you are one of my... you. I mean, as we were talking before, you and Kevin Rich are like, I think... It, I mean, top three, if not my, like, favorite actors Mm. I know is, like, people I actually talk to in this market, and so... um, That's really kind of you. Thank you, and I mean it, and I mean it, because I, ugh, I just, I feel performances instead of, like, processing, I feel like I feel them in my heart. Well, I love, I love talking about process, and it fascinates me, so when we're having this conversation, I'm just going to talk about mine, but there are so many ways of achieving something really valuable that it doesn't have to be this pathway or right you know well that's why i mean like i have this mandate to teach stanislavski to Mm -hmm. my students because Mm -hmm. the bfa at cu boulder is based in psychological realism and yes i totally agree that like for most people like that's a really helpful way in for me as an actor not as an instructor i'm just like i'll i'll do it but like (laughs) Like, I think I just sort of integrate it. Like, I just don't, uh-huh. like, want to do the work of, like, marking beats. But, um, and it is sort of, like, a obscure concept to, and so I was, I was telling folks about it. We were, like, marking it out. And I said, at the end of the day, you could have done four hours of text work. And Brian over there could have just done a cold read. And there are going to be times when the people on the other side of the table don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Don't know who worked on it more. Mm-hmm. Um and I say that all the time. Like, there are different ways. Like, don't believe a director or an acting teacher who says, this is the only way to do something, because that's not right. Correct. It's just not correct. It's their subjective way of doing something. And you may have a way that works for you all the time. Yes. But then you get some project where you get stuck, and you have to find a new way through. And that's important. It's just, it's just really good to be open to, yeah. you know, in the end, it's getting there, Right. Right. Yeah. Right, that's so well said. Can we talk about... Yes. So I got to see the secretary. Had a really great... Dylan was the first um, chat 
first podcast episode of 2020. And so got, it was interesting. So it's really, I love this bookend of talking to her before seeing the show and then talking to you after seeing the show. Because without giving anything away, you hold this really long, profound, nonverbal moment yes. at the end of the play. Yes. Uh, with such precision and calibration. Um, and your character is so fascinating to me. So maybe can we track, can we maybe go sure. back and track the process of auditioning for her, building her, and then what's it, what it's been like inhabiting her through performance? Well, I, um, Chip sent me the script like about a year ago. And the artistic director yes, of Curious. Curious. Yeah. Um, because they were having like a fundraiser thing and he wanted to do some readings of the next Oh, so years. smart. Preview. Previews, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's when, and I read the script and I, I fell in love. I love this script. It's all women. Oh my gosh. And it's, yeah. so, so it can become, it, it doesn't get distracted by the whole male thing. You know, it's, it's a focus on guns. Yes. But I do have to say it is not an anti-gun play any more than it's a pro-gun play. No. Um, May I interject? Yes. The two things I want to say, uh, first, I was at a talk back and I was going to flip a table. I'm sure you get that question at every talk back about mm-hmm. like, what does it mean to have a cast of all women? Yes. I don't care. And I really love uh-huh. what you said. I don't think it's about the choice to only have women, I think it's the choice to not have men in a conversation about guns. Like, Mm -hmm. I I think it's the absence of men that's more important than the presence of women. And very much, like, I was expecting it to be an anti-gun show. I was too. And after experiencing it, like, there were moments in the play where I was like, this, I think the most fascinating plays are the ones that make you question your worldview. Yes. And I was like holy shit, I'm a little bit more pro-gun now. <laughs> like, I can see that there's, like, just every actor, the way that every actor has their process, like, wow, this is a lot and more I complex. Think, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that moment um, occurred to each one of us wow. during this process. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle John Schmidt is this incredible writer. He's kind of, of young, right? Work. He's young and he's lovely and very thoughtful and uncompromising in that he he's going to look at this um, he he takes a look at this very complicated situation in ways that maybe never occurred to you before right and it yeah. just yeah. it just makes if we're ever going to get anywhere on this question of gun control in America which is just just a, a specific difficulty um is to you know is to be able to see why somebody would want a gun. Right. Why? Why? And when he takes the men away and you're just focusing on women, you can focus on this issue of safety. And yes. what have, whether or not a gun has, has been shown to be safe or, or, or the presence of a gun makes you safer or not is, is, is a question for, for sure. But it's about feeling safe. Yes. And what do you give up to be safe, to feel safe? Um, what are you willing to let go of? And there's six women in this show, and each one of them um, has to grapple w- with this issue some 
are clearly more into it than <laughs> invested. Yeah, Your character being one. Yeah. Um, well, she's in. She's she loves the power, right? The yeah. Immediate yeah. sort of unearned power that holding a gun can give you. Um, you don't. It's power that you haven't earned necessarily. Oh wow. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, um, yeah. You pick up a gun and suddenly, it, it, not because of anything else that you've done with your life, but suddenly you have a power um, to immediately destroy something. Yeah. And that's seductive. It's, right. Um, and people aren't necessarily very wise with that power. I think so. it's also a cultural thing, too. Like, mm-hmm. um a, a story that I wanted to share with the talk back, but I, I you know, sharing voices, but um, yeah, RuPaul's new series, AJ and the Queen, mm-hmm. there's this brilliant scene um, where they're doing this like Greece, this tribute to Greece. <clears throat> there's a family who are gun owners and you're sort of expecting the setup to be like, oh crap, the family with guns is going to be mean to the drag queen. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of like the trope we're entering into. Um, and then their little boy decides to switch costumes with the girl so that I think the kid's name is Brick. Brick wants to play Sandy, not Danny. Uh-huh. Um, and his dad stops the show, you know, my no son of mine, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then RuPaul as Ruby Rose, um, you know, gets into drag and like comes into the trailer and you're like, Oh crap. It's going to be like, Ooh, it's going to be this confrontation. Mm-hmm. And instead in drag, she's just making the case of, like, it's so amazing, this, like, how, you like that gun, you like holding that gun because how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if someone took away that gun? And, mm-hmm. like, making the parallel between holding a gun making you feel good and wearing a dress as, like, a freedom of expression thing, mm-hmm. um, and you're like, okay, maybe, like, maybe she's gonna change his mind, and, like... Dad's tearing up, but, like, he's just like, but not now. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the subversion of expectation, which, like, makes this my favorite scene in the entire series, is then from the back of the trailer, Brick, still in the dress, comes out with a shotgun. The Mm -hmm. little 10-year-old boy comes out with a shotgun and uh, cocks it. And, or I don't, you know, the 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 Mm -hmm. shucking Mm -hmm. the gun, that's not the term. Um, And he's just like, Daddy... I'm going to wear this dress. And like, that's the end of the scene. And so I'm like, that is something that totally surprised me. But I think sometimes like, it's about like what your family but values then it, were. But then on the opposite side, you have to say, what does this other person holding a gun do to my feeling of safety? Yeah. You know, and this, this play doesn't shy away from either question. That's true. From either point of view. And I think it's, it's really fascinating. Um, there's a, you know, the main character of Ruby, who's the, the gun man, manufacturer, um, is such a kind woman, um, but at the same time so in control of everybody in this little town. She has all the power. She can call the principal. She, she can call the mayor. She can call the police chief. She can, chief. because this town is so economically dependent. On the gun factory. On the gun factory. Yeah. So it's it's also a question of power and what, and then you have these people that are so um, economically disadvantaged, like Ruby. I'm sorry, like Brandy. 
who's right. the mother of a, a boy Karen who gets Slack. killed. Karen yeah. Brilliantly played by Karen Slack. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so here, if you can pick something up in your hands and suddenly you're more powerful than anybody else in the room, how seductive is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just kind of explores that and then it becomes more and more absurd. Um, but we are in, in America today, we are in such an absurd situation. It's not, I, yeah, I mean, it felt like a docu-play, not yeah. an absurd thing. Um, it's just, it's so fascinating, too. And, and and the plot narrative that comes in about her character's son, like, let's look at the, what were the given circumstances. He mm-hmm. was teased relentlessly. Mm-hmm. That or, was part, or, or, or was he a bully? Or was he a bully? Because both. Do we believe and the that's mother? The thing is, yeah. you don't. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. You yeah. you never know what well what is true because it's all from points of view. So you had asked, you know, how did my uh, uh, the audition yes. process? So Chip go. gives you this. So, scene. Script, Thank you for well, getting us back. back I'm, on in, the I'm in love with this yeah. script, and it's in the back of my mind. That was I really it this character? To yes. Okay. Yes, it's always been this character, and I love this character, Laurie. Yeah. Burnham. So good. Who is? Well, comes to her job interview I, with a raccoon. Well, she comes with a fetal pig, right? Who's, yes. Who is, um, she's which we don't see on the you stage. You don't see it's just described, but this is sort of setting her character right, up. And right, then you meet right. The actual Lori, um, she's she's unlike anyone you've I've ever played before. So when I auditioned for it, I thought I immediately knew who this character was and I made all these incorrect assumptions about her yeah. and just went to the sort of easiest thing to play. Sure, um, sure. hick, uneducated, right. dumb, which uh-huh. she is not. She is not no, dumb at all. No, She's very clever. Right. But I think that she might be um, autistic in many ways. She I is, could totally see that. Yeah. And that was sort of in the back of my mind. Um, she is as um, the, the lovely, lovely Christy Montour Larson is such a wonderful director yeah. said about Lori that she is a stranger in a strange land that mm. she doesn't know socially how to make her way in this world. Right. So obviously very smart, but very smart and, and, and quickly learning and doesn't have the same kind of values that, that probably most of us have. She has no vanity. Right. Um, she, she is very literal. Mm-hmm. And that gets her into trouble. Right. Um, but, at, <laughs> but at the same time, it allows her, she's so truthful. Yeah. She doesn't really tell lies. When right. she says she didn't shoot the gun, she means it. Yeah. So when I first came to this character, I, I gave her everything that I have, which is easy to tell a lie. And right. that when she says she didn't shoot the gun, of course we know she shot the gun. Right. Um, but no, that was incorrect. So it was a matter of stepping back and sort of really um, undoing all these assumptions that I had. Wow. To, to finally find the truth of her. Right. Um, and I think that that's a good lesson for me because oftentimes, you know, you, you grab hold of a character and you think, oh, I recognize this, I recognize right. that, and this is where I'm going with her. And you've missed, if you don't start at the very beginning, you've missed the opportunity that you might have gone in a far more interesting direction. Yeah. So it's kind of a lesson to just well said. Don't, don't decide things too quickly. You're going to spend a lot of time 
going backwards. <laughs> oh my gosh, really well yeah. said. Can I? So once you get the offer, the contract is signed. Yes. What is your pro? I mean, can you? Can we get into detail about like sure. the Emma Messenger method? <laughs> Do you start with text? Um, always. Always with text. Always, and don't ever leave the text. Right. Always go back to it. Even during the run, go back to it. It's not that you're going to discover new things, which you might, but you tend to shift in performance, which is a, all kinds of different well pressures yep. are coming yep. on you out of performance. And it's easy to slip into um, a, a character that that isn't true to the text. So keep going back to remind yourself what were the things you found in rehearsal yep. um, that, that were true and to, to, to stay on that path. Because we all mm. have, as, as performers, um, it's very easy to give into um, bad habits and things that feed your <laughs> ego that yep. might not necessarily serve the, the play. And you yep. have to remember your job is there to serve the play. So the first thing to do, I think, or one of the early things to do is decide and always to keep in mind is what is your job in the play as a whole? What is your character's, um, what things does your character need to do to move the plot forward, to represent certain elements? Because you're just part of a machine and you yeah. are not the whole machine. You may be a very important part of the mach- machine, but you are still <coughs> just me. part yeah. of, of something greater. Yeah. And to keep in mind you know, to start to shape what that part is. So I always go back to, um, you know, you have a spine of a character, and if you can find out what it is that your character wants the, at the most basic, simplest level yeah, and put it into words. Right. So is it, you know, is it that you want him to marry you and love you forever and ever? Is it that yeah. you you want to be understood is it that you want respect is it whatever it is at its most basic level and it may take you the whole rehearsal process to get there yeah but you have to you, as soon as you have that that is that is sort of the guiding light that everything comes uh, everything back to. comes you know that's yeah. the trunk of the tree and everything comes back and then all the history of your character is the roots yeah and then it's it's funny all the you know you've got the the actions yeah. that, so you're breaking down each scene even, and then you're breaking down each moment in yep. each scene. What is that action? Yep. And leave emotion out of it for as long as you can. Because it's always so easy to jump to, oh, yeah. here's this emotion I'm feeling. Just yeah. don't even worry about that. Yeah. That is going to come from whatever yeah. circumstances your your character is under, whatever pressures, whatever... Um, and, and so the action is how the, your character in each moment is going to deal with that. And it's just a verb, you yeah. know, in its simplest terms, it's just a verb. And the more specific you can get with that verb and the, and the more you allow those verbs to quickly shift and change as the, the story progresses, yes. yeah. the more interesting your character is going to be. That's so that's it. In amazing. A I love that. Um, did, it certainly borrowed yeah. from many different Totally, sources. totally, totally. Yes, of course. Frankenstein together, as yeah. I think the best acting processes are. Uh-huh. Um, so what, what, for you, where did you end up with what Lori wants overall in The Secretary? 
I think Lori wants to be understood. Yeah. yeah. And wants, along with that, but that's primary, is to understand that she really is uh, just an alien in this world of human beings. And, and she's, so it's not emotional as much as she is very intellectual. Yeah. Um, if, if processes stuff differently than anyone else. Yeah, if yeah. You, exactly. And if you uh, think Kyle said at one point, you know, there's some game, which I don't even know what the game is. He goes, well, you've got turtles and rabbits, some computer game, which, you know, no idea. God help me. But um, oh, was it Oregon Trail? It, I, I don't know. Do you but shoot things? Okay. Probably. Knowing <laughs> Kyle. But um, you've got turtles and rabbits and, and, uh, and, and so you can move slow and then you move fast. And okay. that Lori is a turtle. At her most, she might be three turtles, right. you know, but mostly right. she's one turtle, occasionally right. two turtles. Yes. Maybe once in the play, you're allowed three turtles. So, wow, struggling That's and struggling with yeah. this. Yeah. She has to move very slowly and deliberately. Right. Um, again, everything is literal. And it's just this desire to understand, like a scientist almost. Right. She's smart. Yeah. She's smart, but she's not... Uh, She's not cultural. She's not yeah. sophisticated. Yes. Um, there is a very, a kind of purity about her. That yeah. Is, I'm digging. Yeah. I, think, I think that we need to do more of what, like what I'm interested in, like hoping to invite folks in is like, use the, I mean, like, you, I love that you're like, I think maybe like there's possibility that this character could move through the world in an autistic way. Yes. yes. I think that's so beautiful to bring in sort of like a psychological dramaturgy to well, it's it. it's wonderful if you can diagnose your character. Hmm? You, because then you It's can, a fictional character and you're not hurting anyone's you, feelings, you, right? Uh, well, absolutely not. But it's, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you should hurt someone's feelings by giving them, a, you know, yeah. by, by identifying them as autistic. I don't think that, that it's just a different way of moving through the yeah. world. Yeah. Well, and fun. it's not always understood by other people. There's a lot of stigma. Yes. It still. Yeah. Yes. But um, brains work differently and, and just to understand, okay, so you've got this character. How is their brain going to work? What are they going to do when this happens to them? What are their, how, how do they make their way through the world? And what are the parameters of that? And when do they step outside those parameters? Because right. that can happen too. And you say, oh, well, God, that's out of character. But it's not because it's in character because it's in the script, right? right. So right. Right. you have to, how did they get, okay, so here's an example. Like um, Kate Keller in All My Sons, which I did at the Arvada Center a couple of years ago. And you've got this woman who is desperate to keep this secret. And so all along I'm going, oh, she's so desperate to keep the secret. But then what does she do in act two? She tells everybody. It's, she's right. the one who spills the beans. So why? What? How do you get from point A, where you're beginning, this character enters, to point, you know, G or M or whatever <laughs> down the line where she's done this thing that didn't make sense to what you were thinking? Right. Well, so maybe your assumption is wrong. Maybe, in fact, she does want to be found out. Maybe right. the, the pressure to keep it is so Ugh. painful yeah. that, in fact, what she's really looking for is a way to tell everybody. Right. Um, and so what gets her to that? And I went back and looked at it because it doesn't, it just was inexplicable why she would do this. And then you see, and, and so you, you, you read everything your character says, and then 
you read everything the other characters say about your character. Yes. Decide if they're true or not, because people tell lies, so do characters. But decide what is true, and mostly your characters are telling the truth. Right. And you should give them the benefit of that doubt. But always know that it could be a lie. But yeah. but then they 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 keep talking about oh we'll get her drunk oh well you know i think the neighbor lady says oh i'm going to give her one of everything in the medicine cabinet to calm her down she's so tense and so you realize that she goes off stage she comes back on she's completely high you right. know she's been given drugs she's been given right. liquor or whatever she's and and it all comes spilling out right and but it, it's not actually it's, it's there in the script, but sometimes you have to look for it. And so your characters are on a journey. Everybody knows that. Decide what it is that changes over time. What is the arc? You know, you start somewhere and you get somewhere. And sometimes the arc is really subtle or yep. small. Yeah. Um, but if you can find that and then start to plot your actions around that, you've got a hold on it. Yeah. You should teach every acting one class ever. Emma. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure this is all old hat to everybody who's no, ever stepped on this stage. I don't but... think it is. I don't think it is, but uh I, I really appreciate you being well, so generous in like like that's what I do. I'm learning that's things right now. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm taking a note <laughs> on that on the inside. Um let's go back in time and have like our James Lipton inside the actors studio speed <laughs> round. Um can you can you identify a moment or a production uh, where you, in your youth where you're like maybe like when was the moment where you're like this is something that I need to do like a a, a spark when you fell in love with the craft of acting and thought it might be something that um, would be a vocation for you. It was probably very early on. I yeah. remember being in third grade. Oh my goodness! And we would go on the playground and we had this whole imaginative game that was based on the Laura Ingalls Wilder Little House on the Prairie. Yes, and, yes. And I was always Mary. I, I think it was Mary <laughs> who was blind. So right. I was always blind. And do you know, we made my third grade class come out and watch our play that we had made. We actually made the whole class sit. I don't know, the teacher was so kind. And watch this I have a similar story. Play. I'll tell you next. Yeah. And it just... Um, this... Oh, the, it was... What a shame for those poor kids having to sit there in the Texas heat. I, mean, I I look at that from the source of like, what a beautiful thing for the teacher to like, yes, and she your was, creativity. She was very kind. Yeah. Um, but, and then uh, just playing games, we would always do things like we had dark ship where we would we would go in the, into the closet and we would be in the you know traveling somewhere sure. in the in this yes. in this yes. in this you know so you were creating this environment right. and then we I was always the one who had the baby I always had to give birth at some point I was point. like that too you when know? I was a kid yeah, yeah. Well, like, you were playing well, you Power Rangers about, right yep. it's a very yep. dramatic as a Power Ranger did you have to give birth oh I chose to like yeah I chose have to little give baby. birth all the time like little Power Ranger babies why all did, the time why did we do that why did we choose that I guess it's just like it's really you know mm-hmm. a dramatic thing that happens in life I think yeah I can, think that yeah I think like when we're younger like we're gonna socialize to be like I think things are changing but at least when I was growing up like it's still very and, I, and my parents are both were both born in the 40s uh-huh. Um, and so I think there's like just like the baby boomer generation and like you know having parents that 
have both having fathers who served in World War Two. Um, it was just a different like I was like okay so like you grow up you get married you have babies like that's what you do like mm-hmm. I, I, I I feel like I'm kind of like the tail end like I'm an older well, millennial. It's, it's I never thought I would have children. Um, once I decided to be really? an actor, okay, I thought okay. I would have to not do that, and I, in a way I was right because um, having children certainly interfered with my career in a way that was. I hate almost, the word interfere, but yeah. But it did. Yeah. But the truth is, it did because all my ambition just was went to my. All I wanted to do was stay at home and take care of my kids, and I don't think that's the case for all women, but right. it certainly was true right. for me, and and and. And yet it's this very ordinary miracle having children. Yeah. Um, lots of people do it. Yeah. And and somehow manage. I've I think being a mother has made me a better actor. Absolutely. I, and I was I was also never the ingenue. So <laughs> you and me both, Emma. Yeah, well so so at time was kind of on my side. I could I had time to do that. That's so well said. Yeah. Is it you're pulling the thread of like, I'm typed as a character actress? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Always Mm -hmm. have. Always. Right. Always have been. Yeah. Now I don't have to draw. I would love to see your Juliet though. (laughs) Like, I just want to say that. Like, I would love to see your Juliet. (laughs) Someone produce that. Um, Well, I would love to see what a gorgeous, gorgeous character that's just in love and in love with love and. Yeah, who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Um, so we're talking about... Yeah, I had a second grade teacher who let me basically come in and demand that we do our geography classes in the style of the television show Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I was the chief in a box uh-huh. with a walkie-talkie. Uh-huh. Um, so similar sort of creative entry point. Um, so as you move on through like... Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be actors. <laughs> oh, well said. So as you move on, middle school, high school beyond um how do you start like building your resume and where are you in the world and what kind of shows are you doing like what are your show what are your t- what I asked Devin was like mm-hmm. top five shows of note college age through now that I that I have done yeah like what okay. like comes to mind is like oh my um, gosh that was a, I loved I yeah. loved I did I love Tennessee Williams I'm sorry I don't know what I'm sure it's not important That's all um right. I it's love very soothing. Yes, I love. <laughs> it's very soothing, and there's very bad news about something, but it's very really bad. Um, so I, I, I love doing Amanda Wingfield in oh. The Glass Menagerie, which I did as um. Oh you know when gosh. you know in high school you do these one acts where you go and you take the oh yes and yes same and yeah. it it's not that it was necessarily a very good production of it, but it was. I, I just thought, oh, I've got to do this again. Yeah. At some point, yeah, where I can really do it properly. So that's that's uh, that's sort of one I wanted. It's a bucket list one for yes, you. Yes, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. And then I think um, I think I love doing misery. I love doing Annie Wilkes. <gasps> yeah. In misery. What was it, it about that character? Well, again, like. Lori Burnham in The Secretary, she's one of these people that doesn't fit into society. And there's kind of this glorious freedom in being able to just react in a very pure and almost <laughs> animal way. Right? Um, the limbic brain, right? Yeah, Our reptile just absolutely. Brain. Yeah. 
to um to give into that and and and, and find explore what that really means it yeah. often ends in violence <laughs> but um <laughs> you know that that's always a, an interesting journey i absolutely love doing Martha in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Who, wh- what time, where is that in your timeline? And, and that, was, that was at the Edge Theater just okay. a few years ago. Um, that's got to be one of the most glorious, oh, I love that rich character. characters um, that you start out thinking, you always start out with sort of Edward Albee thinking, oh, I know what this is about, and then right. ending up somewhere completely different. Oh, you're just along for the ride. And, yeah. You're yeah. like not even, yeah, you're, you're Albee's driving, driving the car, Martha's yeah. driving the car. Yeah. Oh, and the car imagery, oh my. Who was your, who was your George? Um, Scott Below was George. I don't know yeah. who that is. Well, I think he's moved since okay. then. And who directed? Um, Ricky Akanis directed that. We were all just... And and um, Maggie Stacy was just incredible. That's um, the fourth in that. It was it was, that's a play. I love you that just, play so much. It's so rich, so many layers, and then at its just very simplest, I found Martha would just, she just had all these abandonment issues, and she just didn't want George, to leave her. Yeah. So she just misbehaved and misbehaves like a kid. Right. You know. Look at they, me. Look at me. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you still love me? If right. I do this, will you still love me? If I do that, you still love me? You know, and it's just painful. But, but one of those, one of those, you know, sometimes you get a script that is just so great, greater than you, greater yeah. than every actress that's ever done it. But just, just, oh, you can just sink your teeth into yeah. it a little bit. And it's your, it's yours. It's a gift. It's just a gift for, for whatever space of time. You 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 get yeah. it. It's yours, and and to embrace that and take it, make it yours. You know. I love that. I always yeah. I'm like, yeah. It's always a gift. It's always a gift to get like, even if I'm just, even if I'm volunteering my time to help a friend who's a playwright hear something. Um, it's always a gift. It's always mm-hmm. an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I have gotten so many paid things from like the generosity of like. Being like, I believe in you and your work, and like, yes, I will show up for the Starbucks gift card or for just like, I mm-hmm. want to be of service. I feel like as actors, like, we lose sight of like, we're, I feel like we're in a service position. We're in service to the playwright, mm-hmm. we're in service to the story of the show, we're in mm-hmm. service to the character. Um, and I think, yeah, our actor ego gets in the way a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. but I really like to think about like, yeah, embodying being of service when like oh, you're I in a think role. that's absolutely yeah. true. Yes. Yeah. And if you if you can remember that, then you won't go far wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you your tips yes. on like I feel like you're someone, not only whose work has been really well critically received, um, but like I would just love this. This might just be more for me than anyone else. But like, how do you navigate like? getting to like higher levels in the industry you know what I mean like getting to the point where like not auditioning as much but like getting more offers because I feel like I'm just starting to like bridge that gap where it's like Mm -hmm. 50 50 percent like offers or straight to callbacks and then like general Um, submission stuff you have to you have to work really hard yeah and don't be afraid to start small and just keep stepping up and not you know people need to want to work with you it's all about relationships. Right. It's yeah. all about that. And 
talent only goes so far. As much as we like to think that it like is an objective I, talent, you can't be objective about talent. Like, and so you have it's to an nurture art. those so, relationships. Right. It's, it's yeah. art, so it's very subjective. <laughs> it's very subjective. Um, I think you. I think, and something that would make you better is you know is is often as as a, a woman especially, um, is is to focus on you know we're sort of always taught to focus on what's beautiful or what's attractive. Mm. And the thing is, this is just a, a tip I I found is what's ugly in a character is far more fascinating. Absolutely. And if you can focus on those flaws or really explore them, it's not that you have to play them necessarily, right. but just be at least be aware of them that you're going to get a lot of insight. And, um, yeah. Some, well, I forget who said this, but, like, it, I, it's always in the back of my head. Like, it is very boring to see a show in which beautiful people are doing well. Like, yes. where are the stakes? yes. 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 Yeah. Um, and beauty comes in so many different forms. forms. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But, but in your character, don't, I mean, I think the, the enemy of most actors is vanity. Yes. <laughs> if, because then you're worried about yourself. Um, if you're worried that you're, you, you're not playing if you're worried about is your eyebrow right or something uh-huh. or, or do you look fat in some right costume right as opposed to unless it's your character who's worried about that but that's some that's not what I'm talking about I'm yeah. talking about okay can the audience um you know how is the audience receiving if you're worrying about that then you're not you're not doing the best job you're you not can. present yeah. you're not present because you, you, the whole thing about acting is you work so hard to create this other room whatever that room is um and and to worry about things outside of that room you stepped out yeah and then the whole thing falls flat yeah so get rid of your personal vanity that's yeah. number one you can get so far if you can if you can let do it go. that let that go yeah how do you take i'm like fascinated in actor self-care rituals and i'm very like yes i very much load this up top when I teach acting one, especially when people are new to it. Uh Like the idea of this work requires a lot of vulnerability and Mm -hmm. presence and energy and emotional and intellectual labor. Mm -hmm. And you have to know, I would rather you spend more time figuring out how you take care of yourself than figuring out like how important Stanislavski is to you. Well, and I think that's um, absolutely something you have to do. You have to do it always, but then you don't have to. I think I get very irritated with actors who, um, who uh, go on and on about their self care, and I don't. I don't. I, that sounds awful. No, no, no. Because but it's I, very I think, important. I think I see what you're, it's absolutely it's like important. It's maintenance. It doesn't need to be precious. It's a, exactly. Like, yes. It's like I think yes. that you need to well, like, tune an I'll instrument or getting an oil change. I'll tell you this. Yeah. It's um, there's two different stages. Um, there's rehearsal. And then there's performance. Right. In rehearsal, make yourself vulnerable. Go to those places. Explore. Make sure you're in a safe place yes. to do that yes. with people who are going to look out for you. Right. And make yourself as vulnerable as vulnerable as possible. But you know, you get questions after you do a play of how do you cry? How do you do? This? You know. And the thing is. Or, or is it so difficult to get so emotional? That's performance, and that's completely different. When you're in performance, 
you should not be unsafe ever. Well said. It's a performance. It's different than yourself exploring these tender, vulnerable parts of you in rehearsal. <laughs> okay, when you're yeah. doing it in front of people, that's a completely different thing. Yeah. And what you're doing then is the verisimilitude, you know, the this yeah. is the facsimile. Right. And you, of course, want to do it extremely well. Right. But that's the art. That's the technique. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Um, Keeping yourself safe. Yeah. But it's not... you. Okay, so we did Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah. And which is... <laughs> and, well, but you can't go there during the performance. No. Or you won't be able to perform. First of all, your characters, of, you know... Are not, are not going. Uh, what am I trying to say? There's all the weight of what happened to the Jews in in World War Two. Our cultural understanding of the history of the yeah. history, yeah. that awful, awful thing that happened. Yeah. If you take the burden of that into the the very few first few pages of that, you're not telling the story properly. Right. You know. So you 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 can only live in the moment of of what that character is at any given point in yeah. the script in the play right in the the two hours or whatever yeah of that play so i think i have a personal trap that i have to be very careful not to fall into which is feeling sorry for my characters you know you talk yeah. about empathy yeah being this really um you've got to you know good actors are are powerfully empathetic and that's true but you mustn't, otherwise you're just commenting with pity and nobody wants to watch that. That is Mm-mm. deathly, Mm-mm. right? So your, your characters aren't sorry for themselves unless they are and then you're playing something else. You know, you're playing a specific thing in a moment, right? I'm not saying you, you know. But if you are feeling sorry and you are playing the sadness of your character... That's a trap. And you never mistake the ability to lacrimate as being good acting. What does lacrimate To mean? make tears. Okay. Okay. I learned a new SAT word to today. Make, to make your, you know, to be able to... Cry, I, I, I'm fascinated. Yeah, yeah, and I'm fascinated by that because I think if you, if you took the tears that you have when something terrible has happened and, and you chemically analyze them, I bet it would be very different from the tears you can make during a performance, you know? So you have to cry yeah. on stage and you have to do it for six months every night, you know, or for how many, how many days a week you have a show. Yeah. Um, so you got to hydrate. Yeah. It, but it's, it's a trick. It's, it's, a, it's a Pavlov's dog kind of thing. And the, I can hear lines from years and years ago and, and suddenly become in that emotional space right. where I can make yeah. tears but it's different than than me actually yeah responding to right. something in the right. real world right. and being upset about it yeah so i think it can be easy to confuse that um and it's not safe yeah, that's not safe to do that so i did night mother oh my gosh which is Marsha norman right Woof. yeah right. yeah brilliant brilliant, brilliant play. script yeah. a thriller almost you yeah. know um the just the ratcheting up of the tension of that script yeah. is so exquisite, but um, and I played I played the mother. I have a daughter who um, 
has mental illness and yeah. has struggled with that yeah. and have been in very similar situations yes. to that. And that is very useful to inform me about what that character is going through. But if I went to that awful place no, every time, every not. night, I wouldn't survive it. Right. And I had a really good teacher, um, Charles Gordon, um, who, who once said, if you tried to live the life of a character in the play, you'd be dead of a heart attack in three <laughs> days. Because... <laughs> Naturally, those characters have to live it's because it's got to be the, the most exciting. Otherwise, we wouldn't watch it, right? Right. But you can't live like that, nor should you try to perform like that. Yeah. Performance is something else. So that's just my point anyway. But, I, I love it. I love yeah. it so much. Um, you talked about Amanda Wingfield, again, being on the bucket list. Where, mm. like, do you vision for your career? Like, I know that there's some... Folks in the industry who like they have a list, they bullet journal, they know exactly what they want to do and when. Well, I don't actually because um, I just keep getting surprised by these next things that come into and and again such a state of gratitude that I get to live in because of these things that come my way. Yeah. Um, And you know writers are writing all the time and god don't you respect writers you so know so much isn't that so much i mean anything we're able to achieve is all because of writers you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so i don't i don't i don't really have a bucket list per se because i'm constantly there there are better things out there than i can have in my right. imagination right. of listing things you know i love that i love it when actors answer like that actually like I, I wait to see what the universe presents because, like, I feel like like casting karma is a thing. So it's like not karma, but like the uh, sorry, well, Devin and I were saying like sometimes the universe knows better. Like sometimes you really want this one contract, and the, the universe is like, no, there's this cool thing coming. Yeah, like this, the, this other audition so notice that's coming out like there. two days later. Like yeah. just hold on, feel your feelings, but like yeah, almost every time so much yeah. work out there. But it is the only art. Where we have ah. to wait to be invited to yes. make our art. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, and that's difficult. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. But on the other hand, then go and make it yourself. Make it happen, right? Produce your own work. Yes. Rodney Hicks. Yeah. I remember sure. he came to my musical theater class last semester. He's, yeah. coming, he's being so generous and coming again. But I remember one of, one of my students saying, like, what do you do, like, what do, you do when, like, the industry is not good to you. Or I forget how mm-hmm. they worded it, but he was like, yeah, sometimes you can't wait to be invited to the table and you yeah, need to look at that as yourself. an opportunity to make your own table. I think that's absolutely it's true. So, and and I've heard so, so many people say it in so yeah. many different ways, but I feel like we are doing young actors a disservice if we do not at least teach them some ways to go about making their own work because mm-hmm. there will be dry spells and mm-hmm. you always want to have that one person show or you always want to have an idea of something that you could you would do if you were just given the ability to create well I, and i think i would be miserable if i if i didn't get to do it yeah. right so you've okay so you were asking you know what can you do well you've got to audition right so you've got to learn and auditioning a whole nother thing right yeah. you've got to learn how to audition well and i think the big key um to auditioning is be as be completely prepared because <laughs> it's such a nervous situation yeah. um 
that you cannot, I mean, I'll leave an audition and go, I don't even know what I said. Right. But I trust that I had worked so hard beforehand that everything came out in the right order. Oh, and, so and that means not just knowing the words, but knowing all the actions in your two minutes that you get or your yeah. 60 seconds that you get. Yeah. Okay, that you've, and that knowing what the stakes are, that you've hit them, all of that is is in preparation. The art is then making it seem like it's the first time you've said it, right? And you've 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 yeah. only got 60 seconds, so you better come in completely. And you know what? You'll be right or you'll be wrong, but you want to give it your best shot. Yeah. Yeah. So aud- learn how to audition well. How do you choose audition pieces when you have to choose, like when you don't go right to a cold read or a side? Okay, so I've got 10 monologues I could do right now. Of different styles. Okay. And I think you should have that many. Yeah. That you get a call um, that you know like the back of your hand. Because like I said, you, you know, first of all, the call may come and you don't have much time right. to get it ready. And 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 you, you need to go in that under great pressure that you can still perform well. Right. Right? Um, so work up a bunch of monologues so well, say them in the shower, say them when you're gardening, say them when you're doing the dishes, that you should, any kind of distraction, that the word should still be there for you. And that you have decided beforehand what the best actions are for each moment, that you've got at least two or three really good turns of action in there. Yes, yes. Um, Take classes. Yes. If If I'm not working on a show, I need to be in a class. Right. Because first of all, Acting is, uh, it, it goes through fashions, right? Yes. Acting styles. I mean, if you look at, if you're, if you're still working on what you learned in high school, um, you, you're not at the top of your game. So right. keep abreast of the new, yes. uh, you know. I mean, you can go back and look at some actors that were considered so fantastic in their time and think, oh, that's terrible. That's so, you know, indicating everything. Well, that was the fashion back then. Yeah. And it's very different today. Right. So find out what what today, you know, so that you're always at the top of your game. You're at at the very best that you can be. Right. And also it keeps it fresh. You know, I may do a play and then then return to it a couple years later and have a completely new approach that is going to keep my interest and hopefully then the audience will still be interested. And so invest in yourself. Take, take classes. Oof, that's so well said. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing, I haven't, I feel like I haven't had the time or the money, but um, when I saw that Jeff Kent was teaching a three-day original oh, practices workshop. so good. Yeah. Immediately, immediately signed up for mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. Because yes. that's something I just I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated that's by the topic. Worth its weight. Jeff in is gold. Yeah. a brilliant and kind and generous human, and so well, and he just knows so much. And yeah, you're just learn. like you're yeah, some people are just him. like I just want to be in the same room as you. Like I don't care what it is, but like <laughs> yeah. let's get in the same room. Yeah, he's um, fantastic. I we could obviously talk forever. Um, our time together is short, though. Could take us out with what's a line that you like want to leave with the audience with the our listeners to like entice them to come see the well, secretary. I, my favorite line is this really rich one, and it's <laughs> that that Laurie says she's she's got a gun on her cousin. Yep. Um, who's been threatening her boss? So right. she's coming to the rescue. Yep. And she sees it, and she says, um, "I killed a raccoon with a pitchfork this morning, so do not think I'm afraid to get blood on this blouse." And to me, that says everything about Lori. Uh, what a powerful line. Emma, uh, 
Thank you so much. We'll, oh, you're we'll so have welcome. to we'll have to do this again sometime because you're so wonderful and I just thank you for being generous with your time and, and sharing all these nuggets of wisdom. It's my pleasure. I hope I hope they were nuggets of wisdom. They absolutely we were. <laughs> Objectively. Okay. Thank you.